Welcome to Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Sees. We have the conversations leaders want to have so they can win at leadership. Now, on to our show. Welcome back to another edition of Leadership Conversations. This is Casey Sees along with my co-host, Josh Reich. We hope you're having a great new year so far. Josh, how's it going, man? It's good. How are you, Casey? Man, I'm doing great. Just really uh, starting the new year off right. I've really been enjoying uh, this little series that we've been doing on self-leadership and uh, excited about the topic we're going to be discussing today. Yeah, so we are in the middle of looking at self-leadership. And you hear a lot of times at conferences, um, in different leadership books or blogs that you know, the speed of the leader, speed of the team, or every time the leader gets better, the team gets better. And so we wanted to spend some time uh, devoting some episodes to self-leadership and how you as a leader get better. And whether that's around leadership health, um, whether that's physical, emotional, relational, spiritual health, um, how you, um, how you handle, uh, some of the things in your life and in your heart. And so today, uh, we're going to talk about self-awareness. And so Casey, when you think about self-awareness, why, why is self-awareness so important in leadership and why does it seem so few leaders have it? Well, I think the importance begins by the fact that uh, we see leaders all the time, both in the church and in business, burn out, wash out, and, and fail. And a lot of it has to do with them being unaware of themselves, what's going on within them. And, and the way I, I think of self-awareness um, is as we grow as leaders, the dashboard of our life becomes more thorough. I, I remember the first car I ever bought for myself um, was a Saturn. And uh, remember those Saturns? That's a sad car. Yeah, man. Sad car. Yeah, it was a little five-speed with crank (laughs) windows, and I'm I'm talking like 1998, okay? And so, um, you know, but did you repaint it? Like in 1998, everyone was like repainting their car like Fast and the Furious. No, no, no. I I wasn't there. I did spend way too much money on credit uh, putting a sound system in it. Um, I mean, it couldn't even manually. I mean, it couldn't even automatically roll down windows. But I was I was pushing three tins in the back. So. And it didn't, yeah, dude, it was, uh, I would, I would like show off to students when I was youth minister by kicking the doors because they wouldn't dent, you know? Uh, so, but, but I like, literally it had like a speedometer and even though it was a five speed, I don't even believe it had an odometer. Like it was very limited dashboard about the base model you could buy. Cause I was, you know, I was having to pay for it myself now outside of mom and dad's uh, purview. And so, um, you know, with that in mind, I had to, you know, it would basically shine like a light would come on if you were supposed to shift because it wouldn't show the RPMs. And so, you know, I think most leaders are dealing with maybe a speedometer and a gaslight and that's it. And quite honestly, as our organizations grow, we need to have more intricate details in dash in, in, in meter, you know, metrics on our dashboard to be able to do that. And, and what I'm talking about is not just numbers of people showing up or money. I'm talking about in our soul, in our mind, in our lives. So like um, a lot of times you see people who feel scared or intimidated or something in leadership and they re- react with anger or they react with withdrawing and they can't tell you why they're doing that or what they're mm. feeling. And what happens is, is what, um, what a lot of leaders end up doing is either self-medicating or self-destructing in order to deal with that pressure. And I think the more that we grow in self-awareness, the more we're able to then self-manage. Yeah. And I think when it comes to the importance of it, a few weeks ago, I was listening to a podcast by Chris Brown and he works at the Dave Ramsey uh, company. And so he not, made this not the comment, artist, not the artist, not the artist, Chris, not the artist okay. Chris Brown, like okay. a different one. Gotcha. It seems to be like a, a, if your name is Chris Brown, you potentially will be famous because there That's seems it. to be so many of them 
in the church world and outside of the church world. That sounds so, like a Malcolm Gladwell research study. So maybe it Malcolm, does. I mean, honestly, maybe, maybe I feel Malcolm, like if I could get four the outliers too, you know, seriously, if I could get two or three more Chris Browns to be famous, it'll be a chapter so, in a book. You have to call and, but Chris Brown made this comment. He said, you'll never have to fire a self-aware person. Mm. And, and it struck me because, because it's true. You know, I, the, the times that, that my leadership has, has, you know, not been all that it could be. Um, the time that I've seen other people's leadership not be all that it could be was in seasons and moments where they lacked self-awareness. Um, they lacked being able to understand who they are or their impact on other people. You know, that, that, gets, talk, that gets talked about a lot. You know, what is it like to be on the other side of me? You know, what's the impact that I'm making on other people. And so Casey, you talked about just having metrics for, for leadership and you talked about your soul, body and mind. And so what are, maybe we can kind of unpack each one. What are, what are some metrics for, for either you personally, or you think leaders should have related to their soul? Yeah. So the way I'm wired, uh, the Myers-Briggs calls me an ENFP. So I'm uh, extroverted, I'm intuitive, I'm a feeler and I'm a perceiver. And so a lot of times I would feel something, but not be able to put it to words, which is extremely frustrating for my detail-oriented wife, right? Because yeah. uh, I'm like, I don't know, that doesn't feel right. She's like, what does that even mean, right? You yeah. can't quantify that. Um, but but it's it's I think doing the work, first of all, to connect certain feelings with certain stimuli, right? Um, with With, you know, being able to connect the dots for the story to be able to help, um, you know, lead yourself. So uh, with my soul, it's, um, you know, my affections towards the things of God, the things, uh, not only the things of God, but God himself. Like, how, how am I doing there? Have I been having quality time and meditation and prayer and study of the word? And, um, you know, have I um, been inclined towards those things? Am I more aware of when I'm sin and quicker to repent? Or am I more permissive? Or am I more numb, depending on how stressful or busy things have been? And so that's a gauge for me of, of not as much my performance, but my awareness and my enjoyment in God. And, um, and it's less now of like a guilt structure and more of a just an awareness structure of like, man, I need to slow down and take a half day and just be with God and pray and get away and turn the phone off and, and to keep that where it needs to be. And I've heard people talk about it like different tanks, right? Different fuel tanks. And some call it like the emotional tank, the spiritual tank. But for me, it's really a metric where, you know, do I feel like I'm, I'm in step with the spirit of God? Do I, am I thinking through a grid of the gospel and of theology? Am I, am I making all of my decisions, business, church, family, et cetera, through the lens of, what I, what I just am convicted of deep in my soul, or is there a disconnect? Um, and so go ahead. It's, it's interesting you say about the tanks before we get to the body one, like I've always wondered as people talk about your, you know, your spiritual, emotional, like I understand the different tanks, but at the same time, I feel like that compartmentalizes our lives a little too much. Yeah, I agree. You know, it, 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 because it's all in one person. It's all part of one person. And That's why I like the dashboard idea, right? Because yeah. it's showing different information about the whole same thing, right? It's all about the same vehicle, the, the holistic thing. And there's different elements of that vehicle. But if one of those things is wrong, the whole thing's not working right. Yeah. So I'll kick off the body one. Yeah. It, you know, it's interesting. So we've, you and I have talked personally a lot about the Enneagram and, and we'll probably unpack that a little bit more. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. So that puts me in the gut or body triad. And, and if you're unfamiliar with Enneagram, it's really just a way of understanding how you uh, perceive the world, how you process the world, but also 
really what it gets at is, is the mask that you present yourself to the world with. And one of the things that I've started to, to really appreciate about that, especially, and to understand about my body and really, as it comes to this, this metric of leadership is paying attention to what's going on in my body or how I, how my body is sensing something, feeling something, you know, it, when, when I feel anxiety or anger rising up, or if I feel just anxious or like that pit in my stomach kind of a thing. And, and I think a lot of times leaders, they really underestimate that. They really, they, a lot of times will ignore their tiredness or, um, man, like I just, I, I've, I've been angry for the last three days and I don't know why, you know, a lot of leaders, um, because we're wired to get things done, just push through those things. Um, instead of paying attention to those, those really feelings. Um, but I mean, have you seen that in your life? I mean, especially as, you know, kind of more in that feeler, um, you know, how how have you processed some of those things? Because feelings for me is new. Like I'm, I'm in this whole like realm of, you know, identifying and naming feelings in my life has become a new practice that, that I'm doing. And I, I don't know how much I like it yet. <laughs> no, I know. I, I, have, I have a good friend of mine who's a five, right? The head center, like he's a thinker. And for him, man, he, uh, his only emotion is confused. If he's experiencing an emotion, I'm mine's like, anger. Hey, like mine's, uh, yeah. my only emotion is anger. Yeah. I asked him, I was like, Hey man, how are you feeling? He's like, man, I feel confused right now. So I'm like, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> Now we are getting somewhere, man. Oh, man. Um, the way I experience it as a feeler, you know, as it comes out when it, to the body is consumption versus exertion. Mm. Um, and in many different ways, whether it's drink or food or other enjoyable things, you know, because my, my, like, I don't know if it's wing, what is it? The, I'm a three, two with a nine is my other one, whatever, right? The, the joyful person, um, yeah. you know, and, and so I uh, really, um, you know, I've got to watch consumption and exertion, right? Am I, in, in what I'm saying is, you know, if, if I may not be exerting myself physically, but emotionally or mentally giving myself too much to certain things, I've got to watch that. Like if I've been in an intense counseling session, uh, with somebody or coaching session with somebody or a couple, I've got to be mindful of how it comes out other ways, right? Yeah. Knowing that, okay, I need, I need relief somehow. And before I would just, you know, eat, you know, eat a lot or sleep a lot or whatever, and not really be where what's going on. But the more I'm able to articulate that and deal with it and process it. And now that my wife and I have learned how to really do this better together, it's been really great to, to be able to identify it and then to reach out strategically to people in our lives that can help, help monitor those things and walk with us in those things. Because uh, self-awareness is not permission for isolation. Self-awareness helps us to be relatable and helpful to those that we're leading and those that we're doing life with. Yeah. And I think it's important too, especially if you are, uh, if you have a driving personality. So like on the disc, um, personality assessment, I am, I, I am really high on the dominant D personality. No, I think the other you, three, Josh? yeah, the really? other three, like don't even register. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I mean, for, like my, my eight on the Enneagram is like 99.7 or yeah. something ridiculous like that. And so if you're, if you're one of those just driving, uh, just type a, get things done, you know, how fast can we move? And a lot of entrepreneurs and church planters are wired that way. Yeah. And that's how things get started. Um, but what I'm starting to learn is that the longer that that continues in a church or an organization, um, the more harmful it can become. Um, you know, there, there seems to kind of be, uh, I'm not sure who said it, but they just talk about how the, the things that, 
the things that got you ahead in your twenties and your thirties and forties will often be the things that bring you down. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, you know, as I'm, you know, in my late thirties, I really started to process through a lot of, um, you know, just that question that I mentioned before, you know, what, what, what impact am I I'm making on other people? You know, what impact is, you know, a dominant personality having on other people? Um, do I need to soften in some of those situations? And just understanding as a leader, when you're in a room or when you're in a meeting, just the shadow that your presence and personality casts to those around you, um, you know, you often cast an enormous shadow um, by your presence. And that's part of your body. And that's just understanding um, the impact of your body. Um, and so I think that's an important metric and to have people in your life that will say, Hey, you know, when you said that, that was a little jerky, you know, that was uh, maybe I've been overboard. I don't know that I, that wasn't very kind, you know, to have people who can say some of those things to you, um, and, and to understand that. And so the last one you talked about was, was your mind. And, yeah. you know, when I think about, um, your mind, there's a lot of different things you could, we could talk about, but one of the things that, that you kind of hit on that I think is important for self-awareness is understanding how you process and think about things right? Um, and how you receive things. So maybe kind of for you, as you think about this, this metric of your mind, um, how does that impact self-awareness? How, um, how do you, how do you use that in a healthy way? How do you shut that down in a healthy way at the end of the day? What are, what are some things that you've been able to do? Yeah. So a couple things with my mind uh, that, that have been very important is I have a tendency towards, OCD like tendencies where I can fixate on something, but the challenge is, is I have a tendency to fixate on um, almost to the point of fantasy on negative things or on positive things, mm. right? To where, where it's, it's, it's not reality. And so one of the things that I have to bring myself back to is the, uh, um, the, uh, you got kiddos. I do. Can you hear them? I can. That's all. Awesome. We just got a new dog over the weekend, a puppy, oh. and it's been awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Man, I didn't um, know they were that loud. No, it's good, man. We're real people, <laughs> real families, real fun. Um, yeah. We're talking about the garden of the mind, man. It's it's one of those things where, um, you know, I'm still working on this. This is where I get myself in trouble because I can be physically present um, in places, but my mind still be elsewhere. And so one of the things I've been working on is, is thinking through more strategic transitions. I would used to um, book my schedule up. If I knew I had to be home at five, I would finish my last meeting at 450 because I live about five minutes away uh, from my office. And so, you know, and that wasn't a good transition time. And so yeah. one of the things, uh, our mutual friend Jim had coached me and was saying like, okay, fine. If that has to happen, then you need to either go for a walk or take a few minutes by yourself when you get home to just process out the rest or think about it and put it down and, and pick it up later and visually think through putting it down. And part of that is just developing better thought habits. You know, yeah. we talk about eating habits, working out habits, quiet time habits, et cetera. But the, the ultimate thing with leadership is, is being able, I mean, that, that's one of the last things. And that's one of the reasons why I recently started running some was not because I wanted to even get in shape, which I do. And not, not that I even think that's the best way to get in shape, which I don't. It's that it's one of the things I dislike doing, but I want to have control over things I dislike because as a leader, there's a lot of things that we dislike that we have to face and do um, that sometimes happen on us. And so, especially in the pastoral realm. And so, you know, that's been something that I've done to discipline my mind um, yeah. more than anything, you know, the discipline of working out. Yes. I want to be healthy. Yes. I want to get in shape, but more importantly, I want my mind to be sharp. I want my mind to mature and grow because if, if the tank, you know, it, it's awesome if you can fill up the tank pretty quickly, but if it only takes three gallons, if you, if you will, it doesn't really do much good for you. 
Um, yeah. It's getting to where you can expand that where you're, you're able to do that. And with, with the, with the business guys I've coached who are doing startups, you know, they start out and first year they make 40 K or whatever, but then something hits in a few years and they're making half a million um, as a business. You know, everyone, everyone on the outside is like, man, that would be so awesome. You know, even if I was making a, you know, 70 K and doing my own thing in my own time. No, 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 no. Let me tell you this. Um, there's just, there's this phase that lasts for a long time, both in churches and businesses called the whitewater yep. where the growth surpasses, um, your systems and your processes, uh, and sometimes finances and you, it's, it's a very trying time. And so some people, um, react when that's going on and either, you know, just kind of, you know, blow up or implode. Um, and others just kind of have to learn on the spot. But what, what I try to tell people um, in leadership and growing in self-awareness is there's ways to expand your mind, your creativity, um, and to uh, find ways to shut things off a bit. Yeah. And I think it's important too, for me, some of the things that I've started to do, taking walks without my phone yeah. have been, have become just such a lifesaver for me. Just yeah. being able to move, get out, get out in nature, you know, depending on where you live, you know, that might be difficult, especially this time of the year to, you know, to get out and even just walk around the block, um, you know, but you can do it. You can make it happen because I take a walk when it's 118 degrees in the summertime. So, I mean, you can make it happen. And um, one of the things that I've started to do as well, you mentioned fixating on positive or negative. Um, I, I am such a pessimistic person. Um, I often joke that, you know, that way I'll never be surprised by something. Um, but, but I don't, I don't celebrate things really well. And so I end up in my, in my mind, just thinking about everything that went wrong and everything that I need to fix tomorrow. Um, because I, I love, I love fixing things. And I think a lot of leaders like that because at the end of it, you can, you, you're able to cross something off your list and say, I did this, I completed this, you know, I was needed for this. And, and one of the practices I've started to do as silly as it is, is at the end of each day, just writing down three things that I'm thankful for that day. Just th three things that I enjoyed that day. You know, I mean, we do it with our kids at the table. You know, what was like your high point of the day? What was your favorite part of today? Um, different parents, we use different words. But, but to write down at the end of the day, these are three things I'm thankful for. You know, I'm thankful for this person. Or I'm thankful that this happened. And, and I've, I started doing that on January 1st. So it's, I'm just, you know, just a few weeks into it. But it has really changed my mindset about how I think about my world. Yeah, um, absolutely. And how, I let, and how I let go of things too. You know, I'm able to go to sleep some nights and go, you know what? Like today really wasn't that bad of a day. So, yeah. So as we close out, Case, um, what are any closing thoughts about self-awareness? Just the importance of it. Um, just a, a few next steps that maybe, you know, leaders could take it in growing in their self-awareness. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think what we have to keep in mind is if you're called to lead, you're called to grow. Um, and you don't want to limit your organization, your business, your church by your unwillingness to mature and grow. Um, you know, I remember an old study by George Barna said that, you know, as, as far as the church goes, that most, most teenagers by the age of 13 believe they know all they need to know about God because they are being taught by people who believe the same exact thing at the age of 13. Hmm. Um, and, and so, wow. Can you say uh, that again? Yes. That is so good. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm stealing from George Barn. I'm, I'm, I'm giving citations here, but he yeah. said that most people at, by the age of 13 believe they know all they need to know about God because they are being taught by people who were convinced of the same thing at age 13. Wow. And so I think that happens in leadership where what, what got you here will not get you where you're going in your marriage, in your church, in your business and leadership and parenting, um, as, as the, the, the call to follow Christ as Christians is a call to grow. 
And we've got to become more aware of our weak spots. You know, when I sit with guys who struggle with sin, you know, specific sins, um, you know, I, I start helping them think through the other habits surrounding that habit. And all of a sudden, light bulbs go on where they're more aware of things that are going on. You know, how often do you enter into this thing because you're stressed out? Well, every time or bored. Stress and boredom are the two things that'll bring us down. Yeah. And the more that we're aware how yeah. we how we react to those things rather than thoughtfully respond to them will be a good first start. So yeah. when, when you're, when you are tempted, this is for the listener, when you're tempted um, to do things that are not constructive, but destructive, and all of us have propensities to do that, stop and go back one to three thoughts. What was I just thinking about? What am I feeling? What's been going on? You know, and a lot of times boredom. And that's why I think I tell people, I say, Learn to enjoy reading. And, and notice I said learn because as a dyslexic guy who didn't really enjoy reading until I was 22 years old, um, I know that, you know, it, it's a habit to be formed. But if you start reading five to ten pages of a good book each day, there's a lot of growth that can take place. Yeah. You know, the, the second thing I would say is hang out with self-aware people, um, you know, and, and begin to own your limitations on that. Um, when I do marriage coaching for people, the number one thing that I find both directions, husbands and wife, is a lack of self-awareness. They're not aware not only on what they're feeling and thinking or they're hyper aware of what they're feeling and thinking, but they don't know how it's affecting the other person. Um, and like you talked about earlier, your presence can be felt in a lot of different ways. I was talking uh, just to that point. I was talking to uh, some of my team from the church yesterday and they said, you know, um, they asked me if I had a, a resting face, if you, if you will. And, uh, and one of them said, no, no, not that. It's just you, you just walk around, you look intense all the time. I'm like, well, I'm a high three, man. What do you expect? I'm getting stuff done, man. I, you know, I love you, but, um, you know, my friend Chuck Land, when I was a student pastor at his church, he's at Crossbridge Church in Sugarland. Um, I remember him saying, are you angry? And I said, no, why? With a scowl on my face. And because, you know, I think I'm part Neanderthal, but um, and for my like theologically sound friends. Yeah, that's right. Like, <laughs> you know, like that's my happy face. What are you talking about? Be a deadliest um, catch. That's right. Yeah. You know, but he said, Hey, do you realize that you do that a lot when you're focusing, you, you, you make the scowl. Um, and so now I just look surprised because I raise my eyebrows intentionally just on how I affect people. And so I would just, you know, if you're listening here, I'd go to one to three people in your life, maybe your spouse or a close friend or your coworkers that you trust and say, you know, Hey, how, how are you experiencing blank or uh, what's one way that you feel like I can grow in self-awareness. And, yeah. and it's, it's a, that's a gesture and a step of humility uh, because it might be humiliating um, as much as it may hurt, man, the fruit is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree with that. You know, that question of finding out how do people experience me is it's a, is a painful question, but a helpful one. It's a painful question, but a helpful one. Yeah, absolutely. So. But I mean, that's part of leadership, right? Is, is to not, uh, not to take the path, the path of least resistance, but to forge on to the hard direction. Because fortunately, we have, we have a, a Savior that's gone before us in those things and has endured yep. those things and is beckoning us to more of him. And, and by pursuing those things, the more we will fix it up. So anyways, I want to thank you all for taking time to listen to, uh, to this podcast today. I hope you'll continue to share it. We appreciate the feedback we've been receiving, and uh, we look forward to being with you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Cease. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, head on over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe to our podcast. Also, head on over to our website at www.leaderconvos.com.